When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've been carrying a book around me with me across this cricket summer. This is actually a conversation a long time in the planning. We just haven't been to the same grounds at the same time. And I know, Barat, you read this when it first came out, Winning the Inner Battle. This is the book that Shane Watson put out prior to Christmas. Uh, and as much as any, I'm so interested to know what the reaction to it has been. Shane, it's great to have you on SEM Test Cricket. Jared, thanks so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here, unfortunately, with the, the rain the way it is um, on um, such a, a special day in, in Australian cricket. Um, but, yeah, it's been... Winning in a Battle has been doing very nicely over the last um, couple of months um, from the day that I launched it um, in the lead-up to Christmas. Um, it's been been doing very well. It's been really well-received. Um, and it's more so just getting the word out there about the book and the reason why the reason why I wrote it and the information that's inside it, which is all around mental skills and understanding how to unlock the best version of you and this information that I was fortunate to be able to gain from a mental skills expert from the US and just you now I've just put that into my own words and, and put my cricket examples around it. So we'll, we'll play with all of that as we go, but I'm really interested in, so when most people put a book out there, it's about themselves and their anecdotes and their stories, and I imagine the feedback is around, oh, we had a good laugh at that. And the, What's the feedback from people? What sort of feedback across the spectrum of the community have you got over the past couple of months? Yeah, the feedback that I've, I've mainly got is is all around, it's great to be able to hear someone talk about their struggles and the things that used to go on in their mind and the mind chatter that used to go on and how in the end I was able to find the skills and the information to be able to then just change um, my inner, my, my thinking internally to be able to understand how to get out of my own way. So a lot of the time, whether that's, that's juniors or whether that's coaches have reached out and just said they really um, have enjoyed reading a book that's not in, in cricket context, it's not really out there to be able to just understand a little bit more of the inner workings of inside inside your mind, um, just to give people and the coaches and the and the youngsters a bit more of understanding of how they think and the reasons why they think, and then how to control that thinking to be the right thought at the right time. Did you recognise, I guess, through your own journey, that there was nothing quite like this resource broadly available? There was obviously a really specialised niche that you found, but there was nothing mainstream? Yeah, absolutely. I would have um, loved to have been um, educated on this information when I was coming through as a teenager in particular. I was just a cricket obsessed. I wanted to be the best cricketer I possibly could. So physically, technically, I, I continued to push the limits and tried to find as many resources as I could and I was very lucky and fortunate throughout my um, career that those were always available but from a mental skills perspective to be able to find someone who could put it in my language to really simplify how your mind works then how I can just start implementing these these really simple skills and understanding how you think um, I wish I knew that earlier so I was able to develop better habits from a, a, you know, a teenager more so than when I really started to understand this at 34 had to override quite a few defaults of bad habits that um, took a bit more um, took a bit more work to be able to overcome compared to implementing those at a younger age yet closer to mastering your mind at a younger age so how profound was the moment when I don't know whether it's a singular moment when the penny drops but when you actually figure it out and you go oh my god I've been driving myself mad for 18 years and there was a better way yeah um, well, the penny dropped as soon as I um, 
I went over to, to North Carolina, to, to Charlotte, to meet Jacques Delaire, the mental skills coach. And the information that he gave me straight away, I knew I could implement that and change things immediately. Immediately, At that stage in my life and, and my career, I was 34. Um, I was at a point where I was, I was about to retire because my performances over about nine months had really spiraled to a point where I couldn't access my skills at all. So I was either going to retire or a chance meeting with Will Power, an Aussie IndyCar champion um, at the Dally M's in Sydney in 2015, connected me up with Jacques Delaire as Will was going through a similar experience in his life as well. Um, and from that moment, understanding and just <clears throat> sorry, being educated on that information, immediately I knew I can turn things around. And I got on the plane back to Sydney, got um, started working on those mental skills, and I knew. And straight away, those skills that I had been locked away because I couldn't access them yeah. because I was my mental environment wasn't where it needed to be. All of a sudden, they were there again because they were so deeply ingrained in me for all the work that I'd done over the previous 34 years. So just help me understand how much more, there was a lot more cricket after 34 mm. for you. What, what was that phase? Yeah, so I'd been, um, I'd, well, got dropped slash retired from Test Cricket. Yep. Same with one-day cricket as well. Um, I was still playing, I was still in, um, available for selection for T20 cricket for Australia, and I had the big bash. So that was in that was end of 2015, early 2016. So, and then from that time onwards, um, I played. I had one of my best games here at SCG. That was a, um, I think late January, early February here for Australia. Um, my my only hundred for Australian T20 cricket, um, and then playing four years around the world in T20. T20 tournaments, the IPL, Pakistan Super League, the Big Bash as well, and having some of the best performances of my career. And also understanding um, my mindset around, and it took a lot of the, the stress and worry and anxiety, it took all that away because I understood how to be able to control my mind in the right way so I could bring the best version of myself every ball that I face, but then also how to just get away from it and just um, synthesize it so much quicker than what I did in the past. I was very good at um, digging myself in, mentally digging myself in a pretty deep hole. Shane, as always, the hair's looking fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I always start with that. Uh, For me, what stood out from the book was your honesty. And it's a unique cricket book. I know it's about uh, developing that mental strength and the skills you talk about. But there are enough cricket examples in there. Uh, for a former cricketer, a batter of renown, to talk about um, trepidation over the short ball, it must take a lot to to be open to talk about it, even a few years after you retired. Yeah, even during um, my time while I was still playing, um, I was I was also coaching this information, whether it was corporately or around other teams, but also one-on-ones that I was doing in teams I was playing in. Um, and I was very because I knew how to override those um, challenges that I had from the from the short ball. I knew how to override those thoughts to put the right thing in, into my mind at the right time, so that short ball and the, the pace wasn't going to affect my performances anymore. So that's why I was always I was, from that moment on I was very open to talk about my struggles with it because I knew how to overcome it out in the field as the bowl was running in. Um, if I didn't have, which I previously I didn't have those skills, and there's no way in the world I would talked about it because I didn't want to be exposed in any way. But once I knew that information, I was very comfortable to talk about it and show um, the things that a lot of us, you know, well, most of us all struggle with in different ways, um, that everyone does struggle with different things. And, um, and by communicating that, it, it really breaks down the shield for, for people to understand, well, gosh, I've been going through these and having these different types of thoughts as well. And now someone's able to help me to redirect my thoughts to the right things at the right time so I have a better chance of performing my best more consistently. Uh, and very early on in your book, there's this one line that got me thinking, This is, I, I need to 
go right through <laughs> this. It, it hooked me in. And again, it, going back to the honesty, you write about, I wasn't so interested in dreams. I simply wanted a nightmare to end. Mm. And that's a very strong line to use very early mm. on in your book. Yeah, because... It, it, it was like the the whole situation around where my mental environment really changed significantly was, um, well, it, it was a nightmare um, in world cricket um, with the the tragic event um, that happened out here at the SCG with with Phil Hughes. So that was everyone was living this nightmare, and, and um, you know tragically for Phil Hughes and his family, um, you know, they're still they're still living, and we're all living with it still. So. Um, that was just, it continued to spiral down out of control for me. And it really was something that you just wish never happened. Um, that I you know, wouldn't have to sort of worry about thinking about um, my mental environment because it significantly changed. Previously to that, I was very um, fearless facing fast bowling. as one of my strengths, opening the batting and taking on the fast bowlers. But um, I think for a lot of cricketers around, around the world, things definitely changed after that very tragic event. And that... Famous IPL century at the, at the Wankhede. I was there covering that game as well. Uh, you're carrying an injury. Uh, Chennai had had their issues you know, leading into that final. Was that like a culmination of this whole journey that you'd had between, say, 2015 and then? Yeah, it certainly was. That was, that was, the, that was one of the, the, was the first time where I really pulled myself into the headspace and the mental environment that I needed to be at my best. Um, you know, a lot of people... We, in the world in general, we talk about the zone or the, the flow state that we're all trying to get into in any aspect of our life when things are just effortless. We're at our best and it's effortless. And um, that was the first time where I really did pull myself into that space because of the knowledge that I had. So every single ball in the lead up to the game, then every single ball that I was out there, and I didn't start well in that game. I was none off um, 10 chasing 176. And But every ball, I was just pulling myself critiquing each ball then pulling myself um, into that right space that right thought at the right time was the ball the ball's about to be released and just did that over and over again whereas previously I just fell into that space and I did quite a few times throughout my career but it was more so the circumstances around me just allowed me to get in that space certainly not me directing it whatsoever so that was really a very the most satisfying innings that that I had because it wasn't just me, just circumstances allowing me to get into that space and conditions and all that was me pulling myself there, which was very empowering. And now that you have written the book and you've been practicing these skills, coaching these skills for so long, are are you in a position, I'm not saying you've become Dr. Watson yet, but (laughs) (laughs) when you can see a cricketer, maybe if he's struggling, he or she's struggling, because you do write about how often we come in the way of our own success. Mm. Uh, Can you... Can you pick that out and say, mm, maybe, you know, this is this is, could be happening behind the scenes and that's affecting their performance? Absolutely. You can see it um, just by that person's energy, um, whether they're batting or bowling, especially with their intensity. And you can see it even just um, um, unconsciously around when someone's at their best, you can see what they're like. It's like Dave Warner, right? As soon as I saw that first couple of, that first couple of, those first couple of overs in Melbourne, I knew there was a really good chance he was going to bat incredibly well in that test. In, in that test, because his energy was different um, at the crease, he was taking the ball, the the bowler on from ball one, which is when he's is at his absolute best. Whereas the previous few tests is a bit more circumspect. You could see he's a little bit more concerned about Rabada and the balls he's bowling to him. Whereas in that 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 those first five or six balls of that innings and all the way through that innings in at the MCG. He was aggressive. He was taking the game on, and that is when he's at his best. Different people have got different intensity levels that they need to get to. Um, but another example is Usman Kawaja. We see him when he's at his absolute best is when he's just taking the game on. 
Um, and when he's had to sort of go against the grain and not be able to just be himself out in the middle and take the game on in whatever he wants to do, then he's suffocating his own performance. But when he gets out of his own way and just goes, you know what, this is me, this is how I'm going to bat, I'm just going to do it no matter what, we see these incredible results that we're seeing. That cheer is for the ground staff who have made their way out into the middle of the SCG. So the rain has stopped and the skies are as bright as they have been today. Uh, it'll take a while to prepare this ground from here and there is much more rain on the radar. But for the moment, we're, we're in just a moment of promise. So let's just not jinx it. Let's not, let's not talk about it too much. Shane, this has clearly been a period of enlightenment on this front in sport. So uh, I would say Richmond in the AFL, mm -hmm. Ash Barty mm -hmm. and your book. Mm -hmm. Do you, at any stage during this, have you pondered why wasn't this part of the formal training, as it were, within the setups that you were a part of as a young man coming through? There was a form. There was formal education um, through the pathways that I was involved in, from you know through my teenage years in Queensland and up through the Aussie team. But my, all the time with my experience, it just wasn't in really simple language for me to be able to understand whether I just wasn't. Um, ready to take that information in at that time or it just didn't resonate with me because of the language around it just wasn't in a really simple way for me to understand this is how I get out of my own way this is how I can control my thoughts because I am in control of them if I really want to make the most of that and then how can I bring the best version of myself to every game and that is just by defining the best version of you and then trying to pull yourself into that every single ball that you that go and play. So there was that information around a bit, but it just wasn't in a really simplified way for me to be able to understand. And that's why um, Jacques Delaire, the guy who, uh, the mental skills guru from the US who put this pro, um, you know, information together, it just resonated with me so powerfully. And, and then everyone I've talked to and worked through and who's read the book just goes, I've no, I, really, I feel like I know this information, but then you put it in just in that progression of thought yeah. and it's like, gosh, they can, now I actually understand that I am in control of my mind and I've got to make the most of that. You're such a seminal figure in the evolution of T20 cricket and we used to joke in the latter stages of your career, while we're sleeping somewhere in the world, Shane Watson <laughs> is making runs and winning championships. What, what were those years like tacked onto a, a, a distinguished international career? Mm. And were they... I don't know. Were they, in fact, the best years of cricket? Um, my, my best years of cricket was, of course, was playing for Australia and the, and the, the years that I had personal success but also team success. So you know, the two times that stand out for me the most um, that I just wish I could... With you, you, I just wish you could press pause and just be in there forever was um, the Sydney Test here in 2013-14 in where we won the Ashes Series 5-0 on this day, the third, um, third test, finishing it off in the afternoon and having a full packed crowd, just packed full of pink as we went around um, celebrating with the Aussie fans was something very, very special. Um, and then the, the 2015 World Cup that we won at the MCG. And then the, pers the personal times where I was at my best and, and performing how I, was, I dreamed of performing, of course, that was very satisfying. But I just feel very lucky to have come along at, the, at, a, at a time in, in world cricket where these, there are op other opportunities to be able to play in, uh, in world-class tournaments outside of just playing for your country as well. And I, n I certainly never take that for granted at all because I know the generation of cricketers all before me didn't have that opportunity that then they would have done incredibly well as well. So... Um, I certainly enjoyed all those moments and been able to play with different teams, but also show my skills in, in different parts of the world as well, which, um, which is always, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, so that part of it is, is did it take you further than you imagined? Is there an international touring circuit? But uh, the, the franchise cricket 
uh, when you were there. It, it, you were going, it was almost exotic, some of what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well, it wasn't, a, yeah, it's a good word. It wasn't a way. Um, and the beauty of playing the T20 leagues around the world was you became one of a part of that country that you went to play in a franchise. So the first, you know, in the IPL beforehand playing against Australian India, there was always quite a bit of tension um, on the field and off the field at times that was that boiled over at certain times. But then the IPL came along and that just, everyone was became mates. Whether you there was someone in the opposition that you didn't particularly get along with, but then one of your mates in the Aussie team was playing with, he goes, oh, actually, he's, he's, he's actually pretty cool. He's, he's okay. So... Um, Things really, really changed them, which was which was a great thing. Um, there's no question for world cricket, but it was it was a time where you just became one of that country, which was very, again, very fortunate. Instead of just being butting heads, yep. Australia against India, and all they saw was you in the in the battle against their their country. You became one, and and um, the love and support that myself and the overseas cricketers who went and played in these other tournaments, Pakistan Super League as well, that was something that really stands out to me. The time when I went over, the two times I went over and played in the Pakistan Super League in Pakistan, it just, you felt like they just, um, the Pakistan community just really just put their arms around you and, and welcomes you in so incredibly well, which if you're just playing country against country, that normally doesn't happen that much. <laughs> yeah, by the end of it in Chennai, you're dressing up like a Chennai as well. <laughs> you have the going as well. <laughs> you got to blend in. <laughs> you just have to. At least you weren't making South Indian delicacies like Matt Hayden is. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll leave it to the experts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like in England, they've been looking for the next Ian Botham for a while. There was this quest for the next Shane Watson, and then we hit upon Cam Green. Mm. Uh, what have you made of uh, just this journey? Uh, and what lies ahead for him? I mean, you've mm. been in that position before. Covers are on the move. Covers are going. Um, that's yeah, a good well. question. Um, in and around Cam Green, he's someone that I just, it, he excites me so much. I, I try and never miss any time that he's bowling or batting. I just love the way he goes about his game, and he's only going to get better and better. We saw what he did at MCG with the ball. He's, got, he's just got all the weapons that any all-rounder dreams of. He's got height as a bowler. He's got pace. It looks easy when he's running in, whereas I know it was a battle for me trying to steam in. Batting-wise, he's got all these. He's got a beautiful technique as well, really sound technique. And I think the biggest... It's just going to continue to take Cam Green just a little bit of time to find out what his right method is in, in all formats, especially batting, because he's got the technique and the game and all the shots. He's just got to work through what mindset, what game plan he needs to, to be able to have to bat in different conditions, again, different bowlers. And he's a very quick learner, so he's gonna. You can see how quickly he's picking these skills up. So, uh, I just, yeah, I think we're very lucky to be able to have Cam Green um, coming through Australian cricket right now. And the IPL did a lot for you in 2008, Shane. That kind of uh, playing mm. under the great Shane Warne mm. and uh, and your experiences as a player and and as a coach. There is some skepticism about Cam Green going for a lot of money to the IPL at uh, at a time when Australia need him the most. Mm. Uh, how have you seen it, and how are you going to calm everybody's nerves down? <laughs> It's for for Cam Green. Like, there's no question that the the um, the price that he went for in the auction is not so much for right now. It's it's for the future because a team wants to be able to get someone of his caliber. He's a generational cricketer, um, especially in all formats, but in T20 cricket and franchise cricket. So teams were willing to bid as hard as they needed to for the value that they they believe, and we all are very very confident are going to get in time. Um, and people just need to be patient with him enough because he's going to find his feet. He's going to find his skill in all formats of the game. But T20 cricket, um, he's going to find his feet very quickly. But um, yeah, that, that 
that's been you know, done a few times before, just managing whether that's Pat Cummins, whether that's Josh Hazelwood, um, and through my generation of cricketers between Cricket Australia and the IPL as well. So it's been done before, and that already Cricket Australia have been managing Cam Green incredibly well. And the Mumbai Indians as well have now got Cam Green. They're going to do everything they can with Cricket Australia to make sure that he's he's got a lot like longevity in the game and is, is managed incredibly well, as well as he possibly as, as they can. Because, again... Cricketers like Cam Green don't come uh, come along very often at all. I suspect you know this, but you're never far from our thoughts on SEN Test Cricket with Simon Caddich and Chris Rogers. Do you want any <laughs> right of reply over sort of run-outs or DRS referrals through the year which pop up? Which I suspect every now and then your phone pings totally randomly. Ah, oh, they're talking about it again. <laughs> um, the talk about run-outs, yeah, there's been a, there's a couple of times that MCG in particular, <laughs> myself and Simon. I, I just both those guys in particular. I just absolutely loved opening their batting with them in yep. in very in different ways. Um, the thing that I loved about Cato was obviously he was an incredible player, but he's got that little bit of fire when he when he needs it as well. You very rarely saw it. So batting with him, you knew if if the opposition was starting to go a bit that he always had your back. And um, Chris Rogers, it was always a pleasure to bat with him because he just got he just got it done. He just knew what space he needed to get into and just churned him out. And, um, yeah, there's a couple of times that um, Chris Rogers' counsel, um, as we came together <laughs> about whether I should review or not, was maybe I shouldn't have um, – I should have probably thought a little bit more after getting that input. Um, but you live and learn. And, unfortunately, I don't have my time back to be able to <laughs> uh, make those adjustments. But, anyway, such is life. It was not un- unhelpful. It was just wrong. <laughs> I want to leave you with this sentiment. and I, It's not a question. It's, I've always felt, Shane, that we as Australian cricket fans didn't fully appreciate you until you were gone. And then it left such a hole in the team that Barat points out we've been trying to fill in all forms of the game since. Do you have any affinity with that observation? No, it's, it's incredibly kind of you to say that. Um, no, not, not at all, because in the end, I, just, I know that... Um, as a cricketer, I did everything I possibly could to be the best that I could. Um, and if I had my time again, I wouldn't uh, pre- try to betray my confidence out in the public domain um, as I did when I was younger, just to be able to try and fill people with confidence that I was hoping to get to, um, instead of just letting people talk about people talk about me instead of me trying to talk about myself. Um, so if I had my time again, I would have I would have changed that a little bit. But in the end, I just know that I did I left no stone unturned to be the best cricketer that I possibly could with the the incredible people I had around me and the, and the information that I had around me. And um, and I look back at my career and I just know that I couldn't have done any more than what I did. And um, and that's that's all I like wanted to do as a, as a teenager. I was like, I just wanted to see how good a cricketer I could be. Whether that was a great cricketer, whether that was achieving my dream of playing cricket for Australia, I just wanted to see what I, see what I could do. And I was very, very fortunate throughout my career to have so many incredible people to be able to really help me on that path to be able to see see what I could achieve. I knew it would be a great conversation when we caught up across the summer. So thank you for coming in today, Shane. And it's it's such an interesting contribution to the set of cricket books that will be, I suspect, will be a reference point for years to come. It's called Winning the Inner Battle, Bringing the Best Version of You to Cricket. And it's uh, Shane Watson's thoughts. And not just for cricket either. There's a whole lot in there, which has been really interesting to carry around and read across the summer. So well done. Appreciate it. Yeah, and the only place you can get it right now is shamewatson.au. I'm self-publishing it, so <laughs> the only place you can get the book, the ebook, the paperback, but also the audio book is through shamewatson.au. So I appreciate the chat, guys. It's great to be able to catch up with both of you. Thank you. Good stuff. Shane Watson with us in the SEN Test Cricket Box.